This is Multinew Media. Hi, everyone. I'm Chase Raz, and with me today is Christopher Woodward. We are coming to the end of our, what should we call it, second season? Our 2016 season? Yeah, I guess, I guess what we call that, right? It's just the, the well, because we're not a television show. So this isn't a <laughs> mid-season break. This is the end of the season. I right. Guess. We we do about 30 episodes a year. Um, this is our second year in a row of doing exactly 30. So we'll, we'll say that. Um, you know, towards the end of the year, we like to throw some holiday-related topics and some lighter topics in. But, Christopher, you brought up a really good point with me the other day. You said we don't want to go too light because we want to stick to our focus. And I think you came up with a really, really good topic. You started texting me about sci-fi weapons. And before anybody has that wait-hold-on moment, this has nothing to do with the business, the more we thought about it, the more we realized, yes, it does. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously when you think sci-fi weapons, you immediately think of like blasters, lightsabers, and you know maybe destructive purposes. But there's actually some some sci-fi weapons or some sci-fi weapon tech that actually have some useful uh, business and in some ways, I guess, social applications. So that's kind of what we're going to be discussing today. Okay, let's do this as sort of a rapid fire style. I'll 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 bow to the host for this one, and you can you can kick us off here. Okay, I'm going to start light then. You know, I'm going to talk about Star Trek: The Next Generation because that's my favorite bit of sci-fi ever, and I want to bring up something that's not necessarily a benefit for business. I want to talk about sci-fi predicting some of the dangers, and in one of the episodes of Star Trek uh, TNG, I believe the episode was called The Game. There was a weapon that was really a mind control weapon, but if we all relate it back to the real world now, the idea was that I think, you know, Commander Riker was somewhere and some, um, you know, some girl he was seeing on Ryza, I believe, gave him a headset and it was a virtual reality headset and the, the game was pretty simple. You just put a disc in a funnel and the levels keep going up and up and there. Sounds to me a lot like these Candy Crush type things. I know I'm dating myself a few years back there, but I thought... You know, Star Trek in the 1980s talking about this, these VR headsets and how um, using them on the the bridge of a ship and how using them as a, you know, uh, Starfleet officer, how it leads to these dangers of corporate espionage in a sense and and getting addicted to the game and giving away secrets and being malleable as sort of an officer or an employee in our case. And I think it's a great analogy to start for what we're currently dealing with, with cell phone addiction the possibility for VR addiction in the future. And uh, again, it's linked back to corporate espionage. That is cool. <laughs> I mean, so if you want to get information from every company in the world, I, I mean, I, I don't think you're going to use a game to do it, but it is a definite problem that we're dealing with people, um, you know, employees, how much time are they spending on their cell phones um, being unproductive or worse yet, counterproductive and actually harming your business rather than just paying them to do nothing. How often um, are businesses paying people these days to harm their business behind the scenes? I like that. The whole kind of <laughs> you took a, a big brother turn on that. I wasn't expecting that. So. Yeah, I'm going to go big brother on a few of them and maybe literally uh, big brother later. Wow. Um, so the first weapon uh, that I found with, with some some business uh, and, and obviously, I guess, in a way, energy possibilities here. Um, I'm going to talk about a fusion reactor, nice. but not just any fusion reactor. I want to go to the Marvel Universe for this one. 
And I'm going to talk about the Dr. Octopus fusion reactor from Spider-Man. Now, the idea of harnessing, obviously, a large energy source in a small contained space is not impossible. But the one that Dr. Octopus had in Spider-Man uh, you know, is based off of real-life science. And obviously, uh, without going too, too crazy, obviously the fusion process involved in bringing two atomic nuclei so close that they could you know, fuse together obviously would create, well, first of all, a temperature of, yeah. I think it was like 180 million Super or 190 hot. million Fahrenheit. A couple of stars put together. And it would also create a highly electric plasma that, you know, and the idea was that Dr. Octopus's fusion reactor had a magnetic field cage mm-hmm. that allowed him to, again, create, harness this, you know, superpower energy, but in a small contained space that could control the temperature and whatnot. So, again, containing the reaction, stabilizing it enough, um, again, this could be – obviously, it could be a weapon. could destroy the world, you know, that kind of thing. But think about being able to harness that much energy in a small contained unit and all the purposes. You could power a whole city or a whole – you know, name it you know, with, again, small amount of space, superpower energy. Um, you think of all the space and effort required to create enough energy to power a city, to power a business – especially when you're building businesses and tech businesses in locations that don't have access to traditional power sources right now. The idea you can harness it. So again, I'm kind of thinking, because technically the the fusion reactor itself is not a weapon, but in the sci-fi world, it certainly had destructive purposes. Mm -hmm. But there's something that I think could just, you know, and, and it's realistic that one day we could actually have that. So that's my first Dr. Octopus's Fusion reactor is my first choice for this list. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting because we see companies like Tesla looking at the power pack and the power wall and these energy, especially battery systems, getting smaller and smaller. Uh, one of the things I'd love to advocate for down the road is on-demand hydrogen generation because I don't like getting hydrogen from fracking. That's a whole other episode there uh, and how that impacts you know everyday businesses beyond the ways people already know. Um, but, but I think I think that's something we can look at at a 5, 10, 20 year time frame that we need to be prepared for of, of businesses being able to generate their own energy. Maybe it's a small power pack. Maybe it's a rooftop solar array. Right. It doesn't have to be small. But this fundamental change in how we run our businesses, um, that's that's something really to keep in mind. There you go. Uh, I guess I'm going to stay a little bit doom and gloom here for my second pick. And um, I want to go to a Philip K. Dick story talking about Minority Report. And I want to say that I believe in the near future, something like, not exactly, but something like precogs are going to happen. Now remember the precogs were these um, these humans that could see the future and they were, um, at least in the movie and the TV show, were immersed in this milky bath and all the backstory there. Do I really think that human beings are going to be able to start seeing the future? No, not necessarily. This, to me, is a perfect analogy for analytics. And what I think a lot of businesses are doing, especially the small businesses, small and mid-sized businesses, they're looking at analytics, but they're really just getting to the reporting phase of analytics. And uh, again, we've talked about on the show the different phases of analytics. We'll come back to it in another episode. 
But I really want to encourage people to look more into analytics, look into the deeper levels, look into the predictive and the prescriptive phases of analytics. Because if we have intelligent systems, imagine how a super intelligent system, let's say IBM's Watson on steroids, how could a system like that not only help your business, but potentially harm? This is where I'm staying a little bit negative. We know how analytics can help. But what if I'm an uh, institutional investor? And we're pretty close to this, I I think, from what I understand. I'm not an investor, so I'm I'm not confident of that. But what if I can predict the actions that your executive board is likely to make? What if I can sit down and run algorithms on your previous business decisions, uh, put all of your executives uh, together in the system, and start predicting what your likely course of action is going to be for the next year? That is actionable intelligence. That could be a very good benefit or a very dangerous threat to your organization. And I think that we're going to see analytics evolving over the next five to ten years, and I'm, I'm, I'm being absolute serious in that time frame, to where um, we get some some eerie predictions that are well beyond you know the things we hear about now with IBM Watson of diagnosing medical conditions before doctors can and identifying where crime is going to happen. Right, We've heard that from IBM's Watson, analyzing where the next crime is going to happen, and that's what led me back to, I really think this precog idea, not going to be a human, going to be a machine. Going to be a machine. That's, that's cool, too. So I'm going I'm to kind of follow you a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily doom and gloom, but a little, a little espionage, a little, a little uh, nefarious uses for this next technology. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, William Gibson and, and his novel, uh, Neuromancer. I'm familiar, but I've never read it. So it, it's, it's, it's a novel. Um, and in the novel, you have these radicals, and they use basically a, 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 a suit, a clothing uh, made of, uh, what was it, mimetic polycarbon to mm. basically become invisible. Oh, nice. So the idea is you, you put on a suit, and you'll be able to come virtually – invisible now here's where and obviously invisibility we can all think of uses and corporate espionage could certainly be one of them Mm -hmm. here's where it gets kind of crazy there is a designer uh, out there named adam harvey who has come up with a line of clothing where it while it obviously does not make you invisible in the classic fantasy sense it does make you invisible from modern surveillance technologies. In other words, the fabric being used can actually is reflective. It blocks thermal imaging. Hmm. It also has accessories that are designed to help uh, thwart cameras and also even uh, facial recognition software with a hoodie on it. So, again, while you're not invisible to the human eye with this outfit, you are invisible to a lot of the modern security technologies that places are employing right now. Yeah. So you talk about an opportunity to to walk freely uh, in in areas that you should be observed in. There you go. These stealth suits are, uh, you know, again, it's not actually called. Mimitech polycarbon like it is in a novel, but no, but you've but identified a really good one for larger businesses. Um, you know, I've, I've said on the show before, if you don't guard me, I'm not going to be nefarious about it, but I'm going to sneak off and look and see what I can see. I just love observing what businesses are doing. And if you drop your security people or my escort off, I'm going to go around and look and, uh, other people are nefarious with it. Um, so, you know, uh, 
cloaking technology, I guess we'll call it, is coming. I, I know at the uh, very, very small level we can somewhat cloak x-rays. Um, that That's just... <laughs> if you're a big business, especially, you need to be paying attention to that. Definitely. I If you haven't figured out, I'm going to stay almost all on the doom and gloom side because I think people, everything I bring up, I think people can see the positive aspect of it, or at least I hope if I'm wrong, we'll, we'll circle back in the future. But I do think for my third choice, that big brother from George Orwell's 1984, I believe this is going to be a real thing. Okay, not real in the sense that George Orwell predicted, but I mean this concept of, if you remember from the book and even from the 1984 movie, 1984, there's this point in which the main protagonist is asking, does Big Brother even exist or is it a fabricated concept to keep us in line? Now, I don't think that the real Big Brother is going to be to keep us in line and mind control and adherence to some political party, but... With the level of surveillance that we are currently utilizing, uh, we being business, we being government, we being anybody who's utilizing it. I mean, security cameras on the front of houses, um, more and more common. In fact, I suggest that people put them there and analyze and put them on motion detecting. But with email, phone, web monitoring, I have been inside of companies that feel like a complete lockdown security state. Everything you say, everything you do, everything you write is monitored. So we do have Big Brother to some extent now. My caution is not that it's going to take over and lead us to some fascist regime, but rather, and we'll explore this in a future episode, this is why I'm teasing it, I really do believe, and the data is out there to support me, that this kills productivity. I understand you want to geofence your your supply and delivery trucks, But do you really want to lock them in and not provide any option? I understand that you want to make sure that employees aren't leaking out secret information or confidential information, but you need to monitor every single email. That's where I think that Big Brother not only is going to happen, but it's already being overutilized in a lot of companies these days. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm a little bit bit dark today, I guess. You are, and I'm going like the total opposite – which is good. Well, not, not counterbalance. Totally but but I'm, I'm going to go, well, it, it's a bad guy weapon, but it, it has an interesting good guy purpose. Mm-hmm. All right. Get ready for this one. So I went Marvel before with Dr. Octopus. Now I'm going to go DC on you. Okay. I like I'm the DC up, world. I'm bringing up from Batman. I'm bringing up Mr. Freeze and his freeze gun. Okay. I got to know where you're going with this. I love it okay. already, but I have to, I'm, I'm confused. Okay. The, the, now, obviously, for those that don't know, Mr. Freeze had this cryogenic freeze gun that uh, basically allowed it to instantly lower the temperature of any target and freeze it solid. He, in fact, it could also freeze ambient moisture, so it could generate ice out of thin air hmm. if needed. I like it. Okay. Now, think about this for a minute. And again, this is more social implications in business, but obviously businesses involved in social implications. And the reason, the idea that the freeze gun came up to me is when you're dealing with food and you're dealing with perishable products, one of the biggest issues is spoilage. This is an issue with getting food to third world countries. This is an issue with businesses who lose millions of dollars a year in food that is unsellable, whatnot. Mm -hmm. 
Now, flash freezing is something that's being done, obviously, today with food products, right? And it's still an advancing technology. Well, if we had the Mr. Freeze gun from Batman, the chirogenic freezer, imagine being able to instantly freeze any item in a preserved state in a second. And, and I don't mean flash freezing in the sense that we're doing it today. I'm talking about an instantaneous freeze of that item. Mm-hmm. Now, that's one use. But here's another use that I thought of for it. Imagine a factory where there's an accident. Imagine a factory where, uh, if you will, something's going wrong. Imagine the ability for someone to hit a button that would automatically dispense the same cryogenic freezing gas that was in Mr. Freeze's freeze gun in the entire room, in the entire factory, similar to a fire sprinkler. Mm, yeah. So imagine a person falling off of the, you know, the top of a, of a catwalk and someone hits this button and everything in that room is frozen. That man is frozen in midair. Everything is frozen <laughs> until another group could come and, again, defreeze or, or defrost, if you will, and then save that person. That one or sounds so far out there that it's probably the first one of these we're going to see. And uh, correct that accident. Correct that yeah. problem. Yeah. You know, again, you, you think about how a fire sprinkler can stop a fire before it really starts. An instant freeze could stop an accident before it becomes costly or in some cases deadly i guess but but costly too so yeah. i'm going with mr freeze's freeze gun and the expansion of it into a whole freeze system if you will is my third and and, and more positive and happy choice I, I like that i like the safety i like the security of it i like being able to um you know prevent explosions talk about um facilities that are are you know we're talking about maybe working with um fossil fuels or or i don't know maybe you build fireworks for a living uh the ability to safely just sort of freeze time and control the situation and be able to deal with it that um we could pair that with analytics and let computers do the freezing i mean we're going to have to put some really you know safety driven code on there but if we had that technology I know cryogenics is a long time off, but imagine the possibilities, and I like where you're going with that. Now, for the for the immediate term, uh, I've worked purchasing equipment that goes in flash fill facilities. We're talking about what what happens is you go from room temperature to about 40 degrees Fahrenheit, and then they take you down very quickly to about 20 below uh, Fahrenheit, and then you process there for a while. And so how that freezing system works, and those rooms are awful. I mean, the most miserable... I have ever been cold-wise in my life. I mean, I'm, I'm a Floridian and I don't travel out, you know, in winter. So this is this is uh, subjective to me. Take it for what it uh, what it is. But my worst experience with cold is being in one of those flash freeze rooms. It's painful. Um, but if you could instantly do it, sort of pause someone or suppress a fire, I would happily have the discomfort of surviving 20 below for two minutes till I could evacuate a building rather than burning. Exactly. And and that, that's where I was going with the idea of, uh, you know, again, it, there's uses for it. And we should point out too, we said we were going to do sci-fi technologies that would be useful for business. We didn't necessarily, necessarily say we were going to do sci-fi technologies that are going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> Oh, you so. had me on a technicality. No, but I, I do think the for uh, for fire suppression, I do think in data centers um, that if that technology, because you're, you're right, it is an advancing technology, especially for food um, transportation. 
I think there are industrial applications that are very much untapped at this moment. So I don't know how to follow that. So I guess I'll just try. You know that thing that you see in every action movie and every sci-fi movie where somebody just you know plugs a drive into a computer and there they there they go. They have your hard drive contents. Yes. And we all roll our <laughs> eyes and we go, hmm, it's not how it works. Apparently, uh, it can work that way, just not as much as it's, you know, dramatized in, in film. So I was doing a little bit of research uh, on corporate espionage, which is one of the reasons I just loved this topic so much. And I was looking at some of the scripts and some of the codes and some of the um, other things, just being vague here. Uh, some of the stuff that goes in the process of being able to plug in a portable hard drive or a USB flash drive and automatically have the, the host computer start transferring files to it. It is possible. Um, it is real. There are certain ways to bypass security. And I want to pause there and just state and remind people, I am not a computer security expert in the slightest. What I saw um, and what I was doing in research perfectly valid it worked i don't know necessarily the why and the how of it but that's exactly what led me to choosing this if i can do a little bit of research and verify that some of that is real yes there are super high speed flash drives that that are something like five ten times faster than a regular drive you and i might buy for personal use or even small business use those exist the scripts exist and are fairly easy to get to get some computers with low security settings to start transferring certain files over instantly upon uh, plugging in or near instantly if that's the case if I can get to this point I want to I want to just bring this sci-fi and action movie um, uh, element that we all roll our eyes at into your life and say yes to some degree Guess what? It's real. All right, I'm going. I'm, I'm going out there again. I'm, I'm going one that I don't believe could ever be real now. Okay. So again, I'm using that caveat that we said sci-fi tech to be useful business, not obtainable sci-fi tech. Yeah, but that makes them more fun, so I like it. I'm going with the neuralizer for Men in Black. <laughs> <laughs> Think about this for a minute. What is everyone's concern? When an employee leaves your company, you're going to what give away those secrets. Exactly. What information are they going to take with them? Who might they tell information to? Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to research and development. Yeah. And you can have you can have all of the non-disclosure, non-competes. You can have people sign contracts till till their hand is ready to fall off. Guess what? We all know that people are still. Selling secrets. Oh, yeah. I'm not trying to tell you how to get around it, but have the person in a different facility and have another employee at that different facility suddenly come up. You know, there are ways. Yeah, exactly. So I say you bring in the neuralizer. Hey, thank you for your time here. Oh, before you go, by the way, bloop, you know nothing about this company. You know, if that existed, I would put a contract with every employer um, that I've ever had, every contract. I would say I absolutely refuse to be neuralized. Uh, No way. (laughs) <laughs> but you wouldn't know it. That's the whole thing. You have to do it secretly. Ah, uh, you know what? I, I do think that everybody could use some type of neuralizer, whether it's literal or figurative. I mean, the, the difficulty in racing certain parts of your digital footprint, uh, we really have to overcome that. There are businesses and there are people um, 
both that have been completely ruined because of social media. And I think everybody in the back of their heads, especially if you're somebody like me who just kind of pops off on social media every once in a while just to get a rise out of people. I think you have that thought in the back of your mind that, you know, is kind of, is any of this really going to come back and bite me? Or are people going to see it for what it is of just being a part of the conversation? But then again, there are some businesses and some people who are absolutely doing dumb things on social media and maybe it should come back and bite them. But erasing the footprint, <laughs> erasing your IP out of employees and out of hard drives and out of everything else, not a bad way to go. So there you go. That's my number four weapon that would be useful in business. Hmm. My number five is a cop-out. No, it's not. I'm lying. <clears throat> but it really is something that's going to sound like a cop-out. And I'll just boil it all down to this. The thing that we haven't even thought about yet. And that's it. The thing we haven't thought about yet. Not that you and I haven't thought about, Christopher. Not that the listener hasn't thought about. Not that our businesses haven't thought about. But what the sci-fi writers haven't even thought about. Sci-fi can't predict everything. The reason we do shows like this is because it is so important to stay with your finger on the pulse of what's happening. What are people envisioning? What are people inventing? What are they inventing fancifully in sci-fi? And what are they inventing in the real world? If we take our eyes off of these topics at any time, wow, we could find ourselves at a major competitive disadvantage. Now, here's where I take all of my doom and gloom and I flip it around. Every bit of doom and gloom I've had, that thing that we haven't thought of yet, the thing that you're thinking as the listener, that you're thinking, why aren't we talking about, that can be your competitive advantage. That's my fifth one. I'm going to keep it there. Let's move to your fifth. All right. My fifth one is I, I actually cheated on this one, too, because I picked them something that's not really a weapon. Okay. I'm going Star Trek with you on Yay, this Yay. Thank you. Finally, I'm, I'm back to the best. I'm going with the replicator. Mm. Mm-hmm. The replicator. You can create as long as it knows what the stuff is made of on that molecular level. The replicator can whip it up for you. Yeah. Now, again, think about this. The need to reproduce, you know, equipment, the need to reproduce product, the need to reproduce documents, the need to reproduce anything for mm -hmm. a business, especially an expanding business. Bring on the replicator, you know, boom. You know, again, you get these assemblers, you know, and just, just create things for you. Once you've figured out how to make one, the replicator will take care of the rest for you. So, again... Not technically a weapon, although obviously it can have evil purposes, some kind of copping out sure. there. But again, one of the things that, you know, especially with expanding businesses to, to save the time. Hey, if we could just take everything we have in this factory, in this facility, and have a duplicate of it instantly, wouldn't that make things so much easier for us? It would. And I, real world prediction, Christopher, I think we're going to have that technology in around 100 years. Nanotechnology. Through nano, through molecular manufacturing, which is what the real world calls that replicator thing um, today, you know, with NASA and other uh, very, you know, pushing the envelope type of organizations using 3D printing for on-demand uh, parts delivery for, I and mean, think about that, if you are a parts warehouse, if you, if you're an inventor, if you are a fab shop, how much time and money do you spend getting that custom perfect little part that you have to mill and press and lay and everything else when you can right now just print it 
in plastic, in metal, in, in human cells, we can print all of these things. What happens when we take that next step and we take and say, all right, now this is the part that's really far off. We can say there are building blocks to everything. We know there are 12, at least to our count right now, 12 fundamental particles of the universe that have mass. 12. And if we could build everything with mass out of those 12, assuming that theory, assuming that science holds, you get 12 cartridges and you can print anything you want. I, I don't know if we'll have that in 100 years, but we have 3D printing now. I do believe that we will eventually get there and have replicators. It could happen again. I, you know, especially, you know, I think through nano, I think it's a, it's a, it's a possibility. You know, now some people again have their doubts, but again, I'm, I'm sure we can probably do this episode again in, you know, ten years, fifteen years, and some of these things on our list might actually be getting used in business. That would be scary. I think some of the 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 highlights of what's going to be uh, first and foremost. Uh, I think some of your invisibility fabric. I think my topic of the game from Star Trek with dealing with addiction and employees and how that can lead to distraction or espionage. And believe it or not, I think there's going to be a lot of work done on that neuralizer. I wish some people probably wish they had one right now so they can forget this episode. But. <laughs> it's not that bad. No, I think this has been great. And listen, if you're a business owner and you're you're not paying attention to some of these topics, if they feel too far removed from you, sure, we're not asking you to take five hours out of your week to... Um, you know, to think about these topics, but we do appreciate you spending the half hour with us to contemplate them, to get ideas for where your businesses go from here and to take any of the doom and gloom that I've presented, or I think the one or two doom and glooms that you've presented, Christopher, and turn these things not into your downfall, but into your competitive advantage. That's the challenge we want to leave you with. So with that, Christopher, anything else, or should we go ahead and sign off? I think we're just going to sign off from now. And again, look for more fun and enjoyment as we enter season three of uh, our podcast here on multinewmedia.com alright thank you everybody take care Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.